Yeah. So today in the park, everybody was out and about. But I think on a day like today, the thing that surprises me is how few people in Park Slope have like seem to have like real jobs. No one has no one has jobs. No one has jobs. Like there were just a lot of people out and about. So I mean it was great. Like good people watching. Um I saw a lot of dogs who were dog like watching really like, happy. So fucking feeling their yeah. life. Um babies, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I saw the hairiest man I've seen in years. Was he like all like naked and proud? He was naked and I mean he looked great. Mm-hmm. He's fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was I mean, like I'm a pretty hairy guy, but he's like everywhere mm-hmm. and was it sort of just wild it's the kind of thing that where your maintained. beard connects to your chest hair mm-hmm. connects, connects to, to your, your like and back connects to your armpit hair <laughs> so it's like one it's un- like one big one uninterrupted forest yeah a thicket yeah hmm. well and he was he was filling full of oats too oh yeah i mean it's that kind of day yeah so i came upon at the ball fields a um what appeared to be like kind of like a a dad league or something like that. I couldn't tell if it was a pickup game or it was a, um, it was a league, mm. but it was sort of like a ragtag group of, of sort of dad. Bob was it softball? Types. Softball. My dad used to be in a company softball. Yeah, but league. it wasn't a com- It wasn't like dog sports. It wasn't a company league. Everybody was wearing their own sort of outfits and you kind of just had to keep track of who's on what. Team oh, okay. That's no. My dad was and very was organized. one lady, one lady, but it was, it was pretty much all dudes. And it, you could tell that the one lady was definitely like a college softball player. She had like a really good stance and like a really fit Big body hit. and she just like looked very, oh. yeah, like an athlete. She knew what she was doing. Knew what she was doing and what, like we, I saw her bat and she, um, you know, she could really hit. And they had a completely incompetent pitcher. But anyway, it's a, it's a deadly. <laughs> the thing is, like, as, as I saw them from afar, and I thought to myself, you know, I bet those people are, like, really intense. Like, you know, it's always mm-hmm. those people who are, like, the most intense about their... Oh, yeah, they probably reserve that field space, mm-hmm. like, months in advance. Mm-hmm. And the office that, like, reserves, it's like, um, no one else has asked for it in April. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> so they were, sure enough, we, like, get closer to them. And I actually had to be like, we have to stop and sit and watch this game <laughs> because it was like the you would you would imagine that there never were higher stakes in any sports game, professional or otherwise, like the how like rule following and stuff, rule following, like swearing at each other. Oh Jesus! Being like, oh, I just need to get the fuck off this field. I'm like, uh, Dude, you realize then, you opted then do in it. to, to <laughs> yeah. do this for fun. Like no one's like actually forcing you to be here. Um, it was. Yeah, so so those types of people are always like the the craziest, and mm-hmm. that's actually the thing that has prevented me from the idea of joining like a recreational sports team. Yeah, you do something that I've thought you know we've talked about, but like, what would I join? Because like everybody's so intense, it would feel like middle school gym all over again, where, where I felt like people were mad at me for not being able to for like laughing or something for laughing for yeah. laughing or not taking it seriously or you know like come on, dude. Yeah, I mean. Uh, like ultimate frisbee or something like that these people are serious well ultimate frisbee those people are like the most intense because mostly in like a recreational ultimate frisbee league these are people who played ultimate frisbee in college who probably were actually like really good athletes in other sports but like maybe Mm -hmm. went out for ultimate instead or whatever and um yeah i've told you this but my sister and brother-in-law joined a ultimate frisbee like league which they thought was going to be like chill and recreational <laughs> and then had to drop but it. everyone was so intense and like so mad at them for not being for like, having a sense of humor for having a sense of humor yeah for having a sense of humor and not being not being like really committed to like 
the team. Yeah. They were wow. like, they were they were basically like I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion, and it was it was like they were like very <laughs> very very like upset about the whole thing. Um, well, so it ended up being like I think I think they took it they because they they find that really funny when people take themselves too seriously. So I think yeah. they found some humor in that, but um, it ended up being way more intense than they bargained for. <laughs> so they quit halfway through. Uh, no, I think they actually stuck it through, and it was their friends. But it was like wow, it, like who knew that like people's bloodlust would come out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's ridiculous. But yeah, it is, it's baseball season. So it's baseball season, which makes me really proud mm-hmm. for um, what has recently developed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe you should tell this story, but I'm very proud wait, wait. of you, You're proud I should of me. say. I'm very proud of you. Well, I can't take full credit for this. I think you can take full credit. I don't, I don't know okay, so what other reason there would be. So I'm a big fan of going to minor league baseball. Minor league baseball is better than major league baseball. Ooh, hot take. Attendance huh? wise, oh, like attendance. like going to the live game. Oh, you mean it's cheaper? Experience? Yeah. Well, well like, I guess baseball games can be pretty it can cheap. Be, actually, well, it depends. Like in New York City, it's not. But the uh, the concessions are cheaper. Concessions are cheaper. The stadium is smaller. You can see everything. Mm-hmm. You basically have the same experience. You have all the same concession stands, even. But it has more of a hometown feel. Hometown feel. I don't know. I lo- I love it. It's great. Um. So the the Brooklyn Cyclones, um, which out are in Coney Island. On, in, out in Coney Island, they are, uh, I believe, the lowest <laughs> level of Single minor A? league. Isn't is that there the a other B? Way? Isn't that the other way? It's it's A, double A, triple A, and then like there's like a quadruple A, and I think that's like the bottom of the totem pole. Or is no, triple A is the best. Uh, triple A is right under Major League. Oh, oh, okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. shows what I know. But they but they're basically kind of the. Yeah, no, no, no. They're like, the yeah, yeah. Well, but um, but their games are super fun. Love the stadium. It's like it's great. It's out of, right by the beach, and like they do have all the same. They have Nathan's hot dogs and like all the concessions, and it's awesome. Um, I mean, basically, the experience of going to baseball is awesome because you just get to be outdoors right. with your friends, drinking beer and eating pretzels. Right. Because so, who cares? Like, truth why? be told, I think it's an incredibly boring game. It can be, I would but agree with that. I enjoy it live. Mm-hmm. So, there's just such long-term strategy involved that it just like bores me. Well, and I don't know anything about the stats. Right. I think that I would, right. like. I think that both of us would probably be really interested in that aspect if we took the trouble to That's understand true. it. But I don't think we have the patience no. to do that collectively. Um. But yeah, so so at the at the Brooklyn Cyclones, they have a a dance team. It's called the Beach Bums. This is like a dance team, like a seventh inning stretch kind of. Well, they, they sort of cheerlead, though, throughout right. the game. They have segments throughout the game. They stand on top of the dugouts, and they uh, do like right. little dances, and whatever, there's sort of a pause in action. Like, they don't have to pause in action, like, like commercial breaks or anything like that, but they, they do little segments, and they and because it's, like, a hometown thing, they'll do little, like, routines mm-hmm. and, like, cute little promos and contests where they, like, bring up kids to, like, do, you know, compete against people and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so the, the beach bums are these kind of, like like, a troop of, like, young, hot babes, you know, between probably, I would say maybe even as young as 16, as old as maybe mid-20s. Okay. Early 20s. Um, and um, and they were wearing very skimpy outfits and, uh, you know, dancing to some, some you know. Suggestive, suggestive material. Tunes. And, look, I, like, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with the suggestive tunes. No. I don't have a problem with the suggestive outfits. I think, like, again, 
we brought this up last week, but nudity is the greatest state. Don't really care. No. I, I'm not like, think of the children. But but I did feel a little bit like those were the only women that were visible in any way that were affiliated with this organization. Mm-hmm. So the players on the field were men. The commentators were men. Like, the stadium announcers were men. All the all the characters that they brought out to do different, like, segments during the... All men. All men. Even the ones that were in costume were male. <laughs> yeah. The only... So, and those were all, all the people who had, like, a sense of humor. They had a role. They had agency. They had, like some or they were you know powerful figures as right. you know, athletes and like if you're and i did have a little bit of a think of the children moment where i was like okay if i'm like this is supposed to be like a little family friendly activity outing organization um and if i'm like bringing my kids to this like what does it say about what they're they're telling us what are the roles of men and what are the roles of women mm-hmm. like that that like the fact is that those women are like the only women that are visible are like kind of accessories to the action they're not really um they're They're objects yeah and they don't and they didn't really have enough of a a role to make it seem like oh they have their own function they're they were really their function was only secondary to the rest of things so anyway so i had a really nice time at this game i actually had a really nice time at that game because um it happened that our that our friend was um uh he was having like a company summer outing just by coincidence on the same day that I was there with another friend. And he's like, Hey, you guys, like I'm here at that game yeah. right now and I'm in a box. Oh, and a luxury box at, at like a minor league game is like less meaningful than if it was like a luxury box. Right. At, like, a Yankees <laughs> game, but still awesome. And they had like free food and free, free food. drinks and free hats, free hats. I mean, free anything is like my jam. Yes. So we went up there and we're just like, hey, co-workers of our friends. <laughs> like, it was I very, don't know you. <laughs> we like sat in their box and we ate their food and we um, took their hats and it was great. Yeah. Anyway, so it was a great experience, great game. But I did go home and I wrote to the general manager and I, I like went and like looked. This is actually piggybacking really nicely off of the, off of um, your mom's like complaint to the gym. Yes. So I looked up the email immediately when I got home and I was like, I had a great experience. I live in, like, I'm a Brooklyn person. Like, I, you know, really, I'm supportive of all the stuff that you guys are doing, but, like, here's here's my complaint about the gender thing. And he wrote back at the time. The general manager. The general manager. He actually did write back. And he, you know, he said, he thanked me for writing in and said something like, oh, technically it is, it's like, there's a, um, it's co-ed, but you know, like, we just never seem to get, like, guys to turn out to audition and, um, you know, whatever. Just thanks for your feet. Right. Basically, it was a little bit of a brush off. Right. But it was a polite one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I thought nothing more of it. And I was like, okay, well, at least I registered that that was my feeling yeah. and, and like, said no more. Um, but then, like, last month or a few weeks ago even, um, I saw on Facebook that someone else, one of my Facebook friends had posted this. And it was like, oh, this is so great to see that the Cyclones are really moving in this direction and it was a news <laughs> item about um how the beach bums are like going in a different direction and so they're seeking specifically co-ed like team to like be community ambassadors and be um and kind of take it in a whole new direction i'm sorry i think this has i think this has all to do with you <laughs> i don't know i don't know well i i was really happy about that and um, I know you were, you had encouraged me. Um, I think you should write a thank you letter or, or like a, you should write back and be like, I've seen this mm-hmm. and I just want to like props for, you know, addressing, that. addressing it. And like, that's, you know, see you this 
season. Yeah. No, I think that's a good thing. I definitely, I should do that. And I still have the thread in my, in my Gmail. So I can even reply back to, to his email that he wrote me last summer and yeah. say like, just as a very late follow up, yeah. I am paying attention and that did happen. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of a nice, it did feel like a nice moment of like, again, very small uh, arena, but um, if you see something, say something, and then it uh, yeah. actually kind of had an, ultimately had an effect. So that, that was nice. I think we should all, I, I think that's a habit. I, I know that I've, one time I wrote into Rite Aid. Uh, there was like a, there was a subway ad. This was probably 2008, 2009. Oh, wow. And uh, there was a subway ad that I thought was uh, like, what's it called? Not fear mongering, but like f- fear inducing. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember exact, the exact words they used, but it was something that was like um, promoting their vitamins and their pharmacy and then the like buying vitamins. But it was like not based in, in science. It was just like, imagine all these germs you get. And I don't know what struck me. It struck me as like really, um, in poor taste. <laughs> and this I is don't an interesting eat, one. This yeah. Is an interesting one. Cause I know that you have written into, um, mm-hmm. gyms mm-hmm. that were on class pass. Yes. That did that. When you go to their gym splash page, it has like all like young, skinny white people yep. on the splash page. And then you had written in to say, it's like Barry's boot camp. It, was it was it Barry's bootcamp? It wasn't Barry's bootcamp, but Barry's yeah, bootcamp is bad Barry's about that kind of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know, you're writing and you're like, well, what does your website say about the kind of clientele that you want to have? Being a gym in New York City, like yeah. check yourself. Yeah. But this one, the writing <laughs> one, strikes me as a little bit more. I wish I remembered more of the details of what the ad was, but I know that I I wrote an email that was like, uh, and I saw, and it was a subway. Uh, an ad specifically written for the subway. Mm-hmm. And it was something about like the pole you're touching is like infested. And like, oh, it was all this thing. This like, I don't know. It just like struck me in so a certain you were, way. You were did, did they and they that? responded. What? And I never saw that ad again. And I know that has nothing to do with my oh, writing because I'm sure that ad like expired and they just took it out of the train cars like the next week. Uh, but they did write back. But I would like to think that it had everything. And it wasn't like a form letter. They addressed my that's crazy. concerns. I also feel like that's something that happens less these days because I think that now with Twitter, yes. you're meant to address customer service issues via Twitter. Yes. And then they're like 22-year-old social media... like Interns. Interns. Then like tweet you Thank back. you. We hear you. Yeah. But I don't think that... that the customer service like email thing works right. so, so well anymore. And um, I think it worked for me just like it worked for you. And that I remember writing it and it wasn't like you're a terrible company. You're doing terrible things. Yeah. It was like, hey, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like like I read it this way, you know, X, Y, Z. And they wrote back a very like thoughtful thing. That's like, oh, we understand. And that was pretty much what they said, but in like four paragraphs. Totally. So one thing that I wrote in that email to the, um, <laughs> to the, uh, the cyclones was I was trying to I was trying to be chill about it. I really remember policing my own tone because I was like, I don't want to come off as a humorous feminist. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really careful about it, and I made some joke about how, um, you know, that the women were all wearing like these little sequin outfits, and like that the that everybody else was like wearing kind of more substantial clothes. And I said something like, Oh, like I'm not saying that though they shouldn't wear se- like little sequin outfits. In fact. I would totally welcome seeing the players on the field wearing cute little sequin outfits. I said something <laughs> yeah. like that in my email. I meant it. I didn't yeah. do that. 
Um, I mean, I'd like to see everybody. Well, baseball uniforms school. need to be tightened yeah. and tailored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tightened and tailored. And, you know, spangled would be better. But, right. I mean. To catch all that's... those stadium lights. Yeah. How pretty would that be? It would be very like, just pretty. Just imagine the drama from. It'd be like a star running around the bases, like glittery and like. <laughs> or just the pitcher, and then they could have like a spotlight during like a, a critical moment, right. and then you know the the racing stripes on his little pants would be like sparkling in the in the light. I see it. I think. It's anyway, great. I think it'd be a lovely dramatic <laughs> moment, but you know, but in general, baseball players, right? Who admittedly. On average, perhaps, are not quite like as, like don't have quite the hard bodies of other sports. Yeah, like they're not like soccer players. Well, we think that, and some of it's true. Some of it's true. I mean, you have some like big fat pitchers. The big hitters. Like, yeah, like I mean, like the the, the like closing pitchers or whatever always seem yeah. to be these big fat dudes or whatever. Yeah, who can't make it more than like three innings. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which I mean, whatever. Yes, there are some. There are some like sort of less fit looking baseball players, and you yeah. kind of are like, wow, you're a professional athlete. That's crazy. But I do think that everybody, no matter their size, can benefit from some good tailoring. And I think that baseball uniforms are very sloppy. Oh, they're very sloppy. And the ones that do have great bodies, which are, which there are quite a, you know mm-hmm. a lot of them, it's like, can we like, can we see a little I know. bit more? Well, I mean, so football has it mostly figured out. Mostly they do have the out. pads up top. But it do, that sort of adds, it almost exaggerates the proportions of the right. male body. Like it has, broadens the shoulders so you have this really dramatic taper. You can see it's really butts. nice. There's it's no really nice. Padding. Tennis and soccer both do pretty well, I think. Um, they're not like too tight or anything, but they're, you know, in certain movements, like shirts come up and shorts come up and you just get like a little tingle. Little. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, basketball has gone in the wrong direction because in the 70s they had beautiful outfits that were tailored like shorts. tailored and... Now they have like uh, basketball shorts that seem to hinder their movement more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And then baseball, I think the uniform is fine. I just think that all of them order like three sizes up. Oh, yeah. They just need to pull it in tighter. A little, yeah, yeah, form fitting, more form fitting. Um, Again, butts. We want it like you're a professional athlete, you're up in the gym doing like 600 squats every week. Like, let's let's, Let's let's see see it. it. And not just in the stats. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> for math, the casual baseball fan. Like, I don't, I don't understand I just, some I of the stats, that, like, I think that but I do understand a well-sculpted physique. Oh, definitely. And I, I mean, understand what goes into that. A well-sculpted physique is the international language, and MLB. If I'm not there mistaken, there truer words have not ever been spoken. <laughs> MLB is having viewership problems, is it not? Like that's why they. I mean, I don't know. I feel like generally baseball has been lagging in the in the ratings yes and i think that that's the number one like if i was called in to be the fixer the number one thing i would say is like give us something to work with visually tighten up the uniforms i think it would go a long way yeah i mean you would win a whole new audience yeah yeah i mean or just like kind and of i the current the audience, audience wouldn't even notice oh no no that's the beauty of it though it's like you're not taking any, away anything no. from anybody. You're just giving more people more things. Exactly. <laughs> but the whole point of this, back to our original, back to the original point, is the. I think we should all make more of a habit of seeing something and saying something. Yeah, like oh, that bothers me. Why? In but, like a polite, in like a respect, yeah, like the assumption being like, don't assume a person or an organization did something knowingly with malice. Right. Or ill intent. Mm-hmm. 
but instead just be like, I'm just pointing this out. That this Not is even expect it, that that thing to change, but it very well might be a comment that makes it into like the next meeting. That's like, hmm, we've never thought about this before. And then in the future, things are changed. Right. And, and suppose like mine was one of a hundred letters that they got that Or summer. three. Or three. Because... It probably wasn't a hundred letters because who's going to take the time Nobody. to look up the email? Nobody. So no. once you get, but so I'm sure it's three. But but it's the same way like when you, um, they say that when you write to politicians, that you, people usually assume that for every one letter that they get, that there are like anywhere from like ten to twenty people that mm-hmm. feel the same way that didn't take the time to, to actually write, and um, so that becomes takes on a little bit heavier weight. Right. And I think that's the same thing with consumer products or whatever, like patron experience that if you take the time to write in that probably unless you again unless you like address it in a mean combative combative way um because then people of course don't want to i mean it being on the receiving ends of end you of just don't listen and you delete emails, you move on oh yeah yeah um but when it's like addressed constructively you think like okay well if this person thought that then probably other people think that yeah it's just a matter of acknowledging you did i, I you know i don't think you meant anything by this You and I have talked about this. I'm a little conflicted. I, I, I don't love the way that the show is edited. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so yes, we um, the theory, prevailing theory. I had a long conversation with Jr. about this actually. Okay. And he is definitely going to be a a guest in a future episode. Yes. And he has a lot to say about a lot of topics. But we had a real conversation about, about Drag Race um, on Sunday, so just a few days ago. And he, um, this is a little bit tangential. I'm sorry, but. The first thing he said is that there's been a lot of conversation in his circle, his social circle, about, I mean, basically all conversations seem to to, to revolve around drag race, which he's, he doesn't think is, a, is necessarily positive. He said mm. he was in a party situation. Oh, this is really everybody, interesting. Everybody, like, they couldn't go for 10 seconds without the topic returning to drag race. And in these very, like, almost academic ways, mm. where it would be like, oh, well, there's precedent for that, you know, in season four, blah, 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 blah. Or, like, have you what? seen the work that she's done since then? Like, she's really blah, blah, blah. You know, like... Oh, this sort of, like, thing that you can get if you're in, like, um, like classical music or, like, Yes, it's like an this echo world. Yes! Well, so that's what's so fascinating about it. It's, like, when you're in this sort of geek circle of people who are really, like you know, jazz nerds or, you know, nerds in anything, theater nerds. Yeah. This is kind of thing why RuPaul has been, has been skeptical about, skeptical about. Exactly. And then you're seeing ironically people who are drag race nerds. That's how far we are into this. Yeah. That, so he was in this party and then, and I think, I don't know if the anecdote was that there was somebody who wasn't into it and they were like feeling very alienated from the party, which I can imagine. Or just generally that it was like, how is it that this so much dominates our culture, and when I say our culture, I mean like gay culture, right. New York City, um, that we cannot be in a social setting without 
having this be the topic. Mm-hmm. So he was, he felt I want to like, hear more about this. We got to get him. No, absolutely. We do have to get him in on here. But he was talking about how um, there was a queen from a previous season and we both couldn't not recall her name. We looked her up and I cannot, and again, it's eluding me. But she's someone who was eliminated fairly early on in her season. You would know, you would know her name. Um, who has been all up on social media in the time since she's been on the show saying RuPaul's Drag Race has ruined drag. Mm. And and I was kind of like, okay, girl, sour grapes much? Because, like, you did get eliminated within the... Right. Early on, whatever. Um, I, would have to, I would have to look up her name. Um, but then JR starts explaining to me a little bit more what does that mean when, when she says that, that drag races were in drag and um and i think really what what um what she's getting at is this the idea of commercialization of drag and that it's now um when when drag race goes on tour or when drag queens go on tour generally like you have sort of uh, it's taken it out of context mm. I, look i'm i'm tell, i'm gonna tell you this because i'm not taking a side on this i want to just tell you and you can react to this okay. however you react to it so you go, you're bringing a um, drag show into an audience, which now, due to a more mainstreaming of mm-hmm. drag culture, is going to be a lot of like straight women. Yes. Young, young straight women. It, not necessarily. Okay. I saw Drag Race live in Cleveland and I can tell you that, yes, there were a lot of straight ladies in that audience and they were of a lot of different age groups. Okay. And and look, I, I get it. I, I get the the thing about like, you know, the bachelorette parties in the in the gay bar, like, fuck those people. I agree with that. But I, I'm interested to know whether you would agree you would agree with this, but but he was saying, you know, that now it's being taken out of the context of um our scene. Mm-hmm. Gay male scene, gay you know, um and uh, and he thinks that that's a negative. And JR does. JR does. And and he was saying he was kind of sold by his friend's argument on or I mean by this queen's argument and and uh, this they they were having a discussion about this at this party. Yeah. And he was sort of sold by that argument a little bit that um there is something that's lost when you take it out of the context of um being sort of an exclusive audience. This dovetails perfectly with something I was thinking about um last night. Mm-hmm when we were at the Goldfrapp concert, actually. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced this with um, indie bands, pop stars, whatnot, when they are over the hump of the height of their career, but they are not, um, they're not way, they're not six years old, and they're still touring, and they're still have they're just at the point where they aren't selling out Madison Square Garden, but they're still touring. That's the best time to see them, because mm-hmm. one, they've, they've, perform they know their shtick they know their thing to all of the extra people the people who are like part just part of the zeitgeist part of the culture that everyone's going to see it those people have fallen off right so now you actually just have the fans again in a in a, in a venue that's smaller so maybe you have the fans again but you also have a, a seasoned performer and that, that's the best so i don't know if i would take such a negative stance against this whole, i mean there's a certain but he's talking and, about like oh like um, so you have these audiences that don't know how to react to um, a drug. They don't know what it's all about. They're not sure. They're not. They don't know the etiquette that there is some etiquette involved. That yes, you tip your drag queen in the way that you tip your stripper. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that they don't know this, or they're screaming while while the queen is trying to do her set. Right. And they're just like, ah, you know. Um, 
on some level, I actually understand what, what he's getting at. And and I did I did go for a minute for like a um, a devil's advocate kind of thing where I was like, well, like, but that the reason that that you that queens are able to tour is because white ladies, straight ladies in Cleveland are buying tickets, and that that does make it a more financially viable situation. He did not even want to engage with me on that. Like he like that you know. Right. I, I, I get it. I, I don't like being the devil's advocate person on that, on that topic. <laughs> so I do kind of get it. And I also like, I, I also feel a little bit like I'm the gentrifier of this, uh, you know, like in this Well, so that's another danger, I think, of, of making this like pronouncement, like Ru- RuPaul's ruined drag. Uh, it, that's um, that's a, a dangerous thing, just an accusation. And that it can make people who, have, who feel alienated from something. And I don't think that's the intention. I think drag specifically is something that has always been tongue-in-cheek and, and, incl- and inclusive. And the best drag kind of highlights and makes fun of, of gender norms and pop culture and the whole thing. Which makes it, I think, definitely a inherently sort of a feminist art form. Right. It's a feminist art form. That isn't to say that it that in the height of its in which it's I would say it's probably at the height of its popularity or approaching that. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't draw in people who who just want to be part of the current pop Looking culture. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, I. I uh, but, but I, I think, think I having think a broader, longer term look at it's easy. I just feel like it's a really easy thing to say to sit back whenever anything becomes popular. There's anything. always that's, someone that's who says like, say. "You've ruined, you've ruined punk well, music. I liked you've it ruined before it was this dance music. Yeah. You, yeah. I liked it before it was this because it was a part of our community and part of our thing." Yes, but you were also the that you probably also the person that bitching that no one like no one respects us and like we can't make a dime and now that like people want to see you, you and, dime, like right. you just can't have it all. Yeah, no, and I, I do appreciate that, and I do think that there's some value in having spaces that are for your community and for, like, so I, I understand that defensiveness of, the, of, uh, of, like, this is us and um, the sensitivity of when it becomes something that's consumed by them versus yeah. us, and then how do we negotiate that. So I, I kind of, I, I, I both sympathize with it, and maybe I do want to be more sensitive about it again because, like, I do feel like I am a straight lady fan of Drag Race, and I feel like I totally feel like that's a culture that I really identify with a lot, and aesthetically I really embrace it, and um, like politically all those things. Like I really feel like like that's it's something that I that I'm in tune with, but I also want to be sensitive about it because yeah, like you know, I can't really like, you know, I, I, I do feel a little bit sensitive as like the gentrifier or whatever of that, of that culture. But one thing that, that this, this conversation actually, um, got me thinking about was like, I don't know that I agree with this idea that like drag race has ruined drag. I think that's, uh, I think a little farther than I'm willing to go with it, but, um, I do, I, it did get me thinking about, um, now, now granted we, Okay, yeah. We live in New York, and it's a different sure. place. <laughs> <laughs> well, this whole conversation is a little bit myopical yeah, yeah. Okay. in a way. But, yeah. um, but now we're on season nine. or, or Uh-huh, season eight, nine. Season nine. Versus, you know, and sometimes we've talked about, like, go back to season one of, of Drag mm-hmm. Race and watch it and, like, look at, like, what... Vaseline like, lenses and, like... Oh, my God. Like, 
she's a shoestring real, budget yeah. and like all the stuff. And I think one thing that I, that strikes me a lot as a viewer, because I've watched since day one of this show, is that I now position myself as being like, that there's like a right way and a wrong way to do things, which I think was totally not the case when you were watching season one. Yeah. And so... That was a point that I was going to make. I think I think um, someone is going to always come along and say you've ruined it because it's become popular and whatever. I do think it's RuPaul and by extension RuPaul and the production team. Um, it's their responsibility to think long and hard about what they're doing, how they're producing, what who they're casting, what it says about the art form, how they say it, how because, they because, yeah, position you're it. Now you're as the tastemaker for the whole sort of art form. You, he gets to sort of drive um, the aesthetics of the of the community in a mm-hmm. way. And I and and also part of this is again going back to the Aja thing, the social media, the Kardashians, you know, the like filtering and the you know the the aesthetics of that. And and so I'm actually going to take a deep dive on this, and not that like we haven't already, but <laughs> but um. But I think, you know, I look at when I'm watching Drag Race and I'm like, oh, that person doesn't do their makeup right. Right. And what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that they're not doing their contouring right. They're not blending right. They're not like doing things quote unquote right. Right. But like it actually kind of blows my mind that like, like what the fuck? Why is there a right way and a wrong way to do drag? Like the whole point is that it's like a middle finger to gender norms, as you said. Right. All these things that there could be like a right way and a wrong way to like present as feminine. And... To me, again, this is where I go on the real Present deep dive. as feminine being like a, yes. a, an assumption. Pre- presenting as an idealized version of femininity. And this is where I see like actually, again, this, I'm taking the real deep dive. Mm-hmm. This is where I see drag actually kind of buying into, instead of subverting patriarchal culture, is kind of like um, buying into it a little bit. Because it's like the right way to do your makeup is to be this ultra-feminine kardashian version of femininity yeah there's a right way to like be a woman even if you're a man there's a right way to be a woman which is fucked well i think yes i think drag race has is that too far no i think um i think what probably i would imagine the strategy that drag race has adopted to combat that is trying to define those like fishy queens as fishy queens Mm. and not like everyone needs to like look like a woman i mean i think of like trixie mattel has like you know she was someone let's say who got who has always gotten <laughs> clocked for her makeup because it is so severe but Which yet is totally intentional obviously intentional. entirely intentional and a very strong she's statement. smart and funny i mean there's not i wouldn't change i, mean, I wouldn't change name, anything about her like the entire point of it is that it's an it's a it's like subverting that that ultra feminine thing by going too far on it right uh, but I, I know there are people who are like oh i hate her because she's like she doesn't contour or whatever i don't even know the terms that well <laughs> but you can see like you know harsh lines and and that's her whole shtick that's her whole thing and like drag is a shtick and my favorite drag queens are those who like adopt like a, a certain you know tongue-in-cheek like Kasha Davis is like an you know like tongue in cheek and uh, Manila Luzon <laughs> well that, well that, like my I mean, favorites. Kasha, Kasha actually appeals to you because it's more of that like housewife gone bad <laughs> yeah, vibe, yeah, yeah. which is kind of your favorite. Yeah, I'm just less interested in the um, the super queens that are really yeah, yeah super you know 
Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a conversation for a different day, and I have just the perfect person to like bring in on uh, as a guest on this conversation. But about dra- being a, a, um, a lady drag race fan, and some of the, um, you know, like there's there's which we you and I have discussed in the past, sort of the misogyny of of gay men, which mm-hmm. exists and is a, is a real thing. And then white gay men on top of that. Oh my god, oh, yeah, um, totally. But um, but there's even sometimes some of that in 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 drag culture. Which is ultra ironic, I think. Yes. Um, and um, but even even certain things that sometimes bother me, and I, I I would need to put more thought to this before I actually. I don't really have a, a statement to make about this, <laughs> but um, but some of the things about like about fishy and about like when people talk about when drag queens talk about like oh my put my pussy was this and that or mm-hmm. like I pounded the stage with my pussy and what whatever like, I do sometimes have a little bit of a reaction to that as really a I do. Where I feel, I feel like you don't have a pussy. You don't, you don't get to say this that. is interesting. I know, and I think it's actually kind of a charged topic because, um, because I don't think you have to have a vagina to be a woman. Like, mm-hmm. but you have a certain reaction to it. I do have a reaction to it, and I and I don't. I haven't put enough thought to it to be able to like have a um, sort of a. Yeah, well, coherent I, thought process. Well, I want you to think about it because I want to hear. Because I mean, obviously, it doesn't ring as anything to me other than a drag queen living her life. Yeah, but even the even the the term fishy, like I'm okay. I you know I've, I've I'm sort of fine with it. But what does that come from, right? Like, I mean, you. Could, it like, took me a while to figure out what that came from. If you look it up, like they will come. Like you will see. Find you know, I thought it was fishnet. Of- <laughs> stockings for a long time no but you come up with all sorts of explanations you look you google that and they'll be like oh it has nothing to do with vaginas it of has course it does. everything to do with you know because fish are like this and that and like all the other things like all these things <laughs> and be mermaids and like you know what? every no, i mean like and then, I'm, I'm that up. but like every i looked it up and every possible other explanation you come you can come up with people have like made an explanation for that yeah but what it comes from is like vaginas are gross and they smell like fish they smell yeah and there, there, that, that okay. is rooted in gay male misogyny. Like, it is. That that I can I can follow and understand. So I, I think that I mean that's an example, but I think there's other other points when I do have a reaction to that when people talk about, oh my my vagina, and I'm like, but you don't have one. Yeah. I, so drag race in general is interesting in that RuPaul is. Someone who I would say, I mean, I guess is a drag queen. And by I say I guess is a drag queen, it's an artist who 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 dresses in in drag mm-hmm. for a point, for like a political point, not just um, as a desire to dress as a woman and had no desire to like live as a woman. Oh, not absolutely. that I mean most drag queens mm-hmm. I don't think do. Um, so. But I don't and, and see to, that and on you, the show. You don't even know show. how much pleasure he actually takes in it. <laughs> well, you kind of know he doesn't take any pleasure anymore. Right. In it. Um, but it began, he was part of a band. He began, he dressed up as mm-hmm. a woman one time and then it was successful. Was like, oh, ticket sales. Like, oh, that yeah, works. Yeah. So Get it's a different, cash. it's a whole different thing than, than some of the drag queens on the show. So I, to me, that's a little bit, that's interesting in that uh, there are, I guess I'm saying that I, w- I wish because there are a lot of drag queens on the show who are really talented in a lot of different things and drag is a vehicle. And then there are others that um, 
I wonder if they identify with drag in a way, in a, and especially the younger ones, mm-hmm. if they identify drag in a drag race context. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's, I it's think you can is, see the difference whether, between those. Whether it's a, drag is a means to an end or drag is the end. And you, know? and you can see, I, I think you can see it. You can see when you have a performer who dresses in drag and does their, and is a performer and an artist, and that's their outlet. And a person who's like, I watched Drag Race season one, and like, I'm gonna like, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do the thing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tuck, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna whatever, I'm gonna put the pads on, and and I'm gonna contour perfectly, and And that's gonna be my thing, (laughs) and I'm gonna be a good lip syncer, which I love a good lip syncer. I'm not taking anything away from any. Good performer, but it's, you know, it's just, that's not what brought RuPaul to drag. Drag wasn't what brought RuPaul to drag. Right. Does that make any sense? No, no, it makes, makes perfect sense. Um, and I, I think this is something that, uh, that, I, that I've thought about with a lot of artists that I really admire. Musicians that I admire specifically, because you and I are both musicians. Mm-hmm. And when you look at a lot of the musicians that I admire... Uh, older musicians that I admire, a, lo- a, a common thread that you'll see a lot am- amongst a lot of them. I swear this is related, um, is that music is a vehicle for what the thing that they wanted to say. Yes, and that at a certain point, like this is something that Paul Simon has said, that um, David Byrne has said, that like um, music was a good way for me to say the things that I felt like I needed to say, um, and. Um, Look, I'm not saying this is true of me because for me, I think actually I am a person that for me, music is the end and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily the means to the end. But for th- for these people that I really admire, it's like music is, th- is the means to this end. But, you know, in a different world or in a different time, maybe writing is the better way to get to that means mm-hmm. to the end or, or drag or, or, you know, any number of other sort of paths. Visual art, Visual theater. Art. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you see that with David Byrne. He's dabbled a lot in theater and yes. in writing. He's written a couple of books. Like it's 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 more about like what is the medium to get my but it's all part of the same message. Yeah. that place i love that place i meant to look up their lineup uh at first oh yeah so that's one thing i want to know is what who's being programmed there what is it a competitor for in terms of venues in new york or is it its own thing first of all it's beautiful it's i mean in like an industrial kind of like at the end of the earth kind of way such a nice job i mean like nobody got my reference um other than i think i think pj got my reference or maybe he just left because he's nice um (laughs) 
about when you first walk into Brooklyn Steel, it looks exactly like the club from Buffy the Vampire Slayer that they go to. It's called the Bronze. <clears throat> and it's like sort of industrial and like has that sort of blue lighting and the bar and stuff. And, and it really, really looks like that. But the actual venue, I mean, the ceilings are like what? Like huge. I, yeah. I, well, it's like a, it's a converted, fa- I mean, I guess a converted. Well, apparently they spent a ton of money. I was, I was talking about this today, earlier today, that they, they, they really put a lot of effort into the sound there. And I think it really paid off. You can tell. I think it sounded great. It I also noticed fantastic. that you couldn't hear, you couldn't hear, um, when we were approaching the building, you, it, the mm-hmm. sound bleed is like is uh, virtually nothing. Yeah, virtually nothing. There is very little problem with echo in the mm-hmm. space. The clarity of the sound is really good. Um, I guess it's all that insulating foam that's sprayed on everything. But it really, I'm shocked to be in a concrete box, concrete and metal box, mm-hmm. that sounded as good as that many It sounded times. great. It's organized pretty well. Um, yeah, so I wonder, like, I guess the capacity is really more like, uh, the other thing I heard today, new news, is that the stage is adjustable. Huh? So you can bring it in closer. I think that it was it was at its maximum because it looked like a proscenium sort of. Yeah, so the ma- the max capacity I think is somewhere just under two thousand, so like eighteen hundred or something mm-hmm. like that. And I would venture to say that's probably where we were at last night. What do you think? You said sixteen, eighteen, eighteen hundred. Yeah. Ish. That's yeah. And um, and what they were doing was multiple shows, right? So she's she was there for three. Goldfrapp was there for three nights. Two nights. Two nights, just two nights. Two nights. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's the what's the capacity of Terminal Five. Um, I don't know, but it's it's uh, Brooklyn Steel is owned by Bowery Presents. Yeah, yeah. Too. So it's program. So it's by the Bowery same. Presents. Or yeah, excuse me, program. So which is the same as Terminal Five? No. Mm. Is Terminal Five exclusively Bowery Presents? Let's see. Terminal Five has a three thousand person. Okay, yeah, that's what capacity. I so about a little less. Than but that. it's shitty to get in and out of. Mm-hmm. So there are pros and cons. Terminal Five shitty to get in Terminal and out 5, of, I mean, but it's bigger. Truly, I think we've we've talked about this. I feel like I'm gonna die in a fire every time. Every time I'm in. I think there's space. like one one there's door. There's one exit. I don't understand how it's like any of that is is makes any sense. Um, but yeah, I think it's absolutely a head and shoulders above Terminal Five. Yeah, the only problem is it's it is it's far it's away from hike. the subway. It's a hike. I guess it's closer to the L. 20 from the G, and I guess there's a closer L stop. 15 from the L, 10 to 15? Yeah. Anyway, gorgeous space, though. I was really into mm-hmm. it. Um, so I wanted to ask you, though, because you and I didn't really talk about oppression, impressions of the show. So right. the thing that I am curious about and that I, I like about the group that was at that show last night was that... Audience or... Just our group. Oh, okay. So we were in a group of... How many other guys of us? Two, four, five. five. So out of the group of five of us that went, we had one super fan. Mm-hmm. We had two, like I would say, pretty, pretty good fans pretty who had been, who had seen, seen her, before. her before in concert. So that's mm-hmm. you know that's something. Mm-hmm. And then us. And then and then us. And I would say between us, maybe I was maybe a little bit more of a fan, and you were maybe more of a casual appreciation. Yeah, I, I mean I knew I know some of the songs, right. but um but could could sort of in a vacuum have t- taken it or or left it if you were to choose to go to that show. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, which is only to say, I just think it's interesting to be in a mixed group of that kind. Cause like either usually I'm in a group where it's like, we're all like a super fan of that mm-hmm. thing or we're all kind of just like, nah, let's just see how it is. And I mean, mostly the latter. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was kind of fun to be in a group though, where, um, like, you know, Jed was like knew every word to every song. Um, you know, uh, PJ and Yish were somewhere in the middle. I like knew the songs that I knew. Yeah, yeah, I knew a few. <laughs> and then I didn't know a bunch of them. And, and so I think you yeah, were the same. Same thing. Um, uh, and I thought that was really fun. I, I, it's, I, I, well, first of all, it's always fun to go. I think it's always fun to go to a show with Superfan oh, or yeah. someone who's really okay. into it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see how much fun they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some super fans in the audience. Just in, general. I mean, there seemed to be a pretty good following. Oh my gosh, the crowd there was really interesting. <laughs> um, because it, you know, as we were we were grabbing a bite before, and we were talking about it, and it came up that it was like, I mean, I never would have said this, but the the idea that that Goldfrap being a little bit of a, around for fifteen years, yeah, being around for fifteen years, and you know, a little bit under the radar. I mean, never yeah. quite in like the just that solid that. indie, solid indie. indie famous yeah that it was like oh having heard of gold frap or not is like a little bit of a marker (laughs) of like age and um if you're if you're 22 you're like who no idea or even like 25 or 26 so i thought that was kind of a funny um observation but i thought kind of bore out to be true in the crowd too is that i I think the Mm -hmm. crowd tended to skew a little bit older and was it was more diverse crowd than i thought there would be um, but there were definitely like, you know, those like two like dorky women that were in front of me that I looked up and saw some people in their fifties. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So it was a d- definitely a, like a interesting crowd. And, um, I mean the older crowd seemed to be up in the balcony where yeah. people weren't dancing as much, yeah. but, um, but yeah, it was, it was great. And I like, I feel like, what do you think of the show itself? The show itself. Okay. So. First of all, I love the, uh, and I mentioned this to you, but I thought the lighting was really spectacular. The lighting spectacular. was so good. It was so good. And I'm curious to know, I want to go to another thing there and see, I mean, clearly some of that gear is theirs. Yes. I would um, imagine all of it. No? Well, most know. of it. I don't know. It's hard to say, but the lighting was fantastic. The colors were beautiful. The levels were all really good. Mm-hmm. We were at the very back. We could see everything. Like we, I think we got like really kind of an ideal vantage point you could see the whole stage you could mm-hmm. see whatever the um full spectrum of the um the graphics and i feel like sometimes with visuals during a concert like it's hit or miss and you don't know yes yes you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's sometimes you're like why is this happening this is adding nothing to the experience well and that's hard for like a, a touring artist because you you don't really know what your venue is going to be mm-hmm until you're there and you have to make stuff that can work in some capacity in every place you go. So yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, this is, I think something really interesting. I went to a weirdly, I went to a hackathon, even though I'm not a programmer, (laughs) um, with a friend of ours that was about, um, music visualization, which is essentially in part like that, that thing, the person who does concert visuals. So we, I did hear a talk from somebody, who that's her job. She does uh, a mix of digital and hand-drawn concert visuals. And it's really an interesting challenge of like how, like what makes that 
what makes it meaningful? I don't really know. But I know when I see something that I that I feel like it works and, and when it doesn't. So I liked the visuals. I didn't think it was too much. Right. They didn't use them every song. Mm-hmm. They didn't yeah. use them the first probably three or four songs. Yeah. So it kind of there was a kind of good arc to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think she stacked all the songs that were recognizable, at least to me, from the earlier at albums. The beginning? Were all at the end. Oh. Well, it's interesting because Ganesh, the, like the third song in, he leaned over and he's like, oh, she's like playing all the hits. So. Well, to me... The song, all the songs that I knew were all kind of stacked at the end. Okay. And so I, I was like, oh, is this like a little bit of a like, you get to have your dessert after you have your vegetables thing where I'm going to like, <laughs> I'm going to feed you the new tracks and then, I don't know. Or maybe she did some recognizable ones at the beginning yeah, that just like, weren't not yeah. known to me. Right. Uh, I like the pacing mm-hmm. of the show. I think she did a good job there. She has great rock star poses. Um, I thought great I was rock star poses. Mm-hmm. They didn't use an... It generally, I'm a fan of this. I'm a fan of not using or overusing, um, and I don't know the technical term, but front lighting. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't oh, know was, if they used any. It was any. backlit. It was heavily like completely backlit, backlit and sideless. It was dramatic. So you didn't. Really, there wasn't much light on her face, so you couldn't really see. You could see her in her gold outfit, mm-hmm. um, and I liked that uh, mostly. I do. I would have appreciated a costume change. Okay, how funny was that though? Because I really wanted there to be a costume change. She leaves the stage, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I wanted to come on stage and be in something totally different." And then she comes back out and was like, "I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> this I'm metallic stuck suit to my... is stuck to my body." <laughs> to and which you leaned over and said, "I can't falter. I've I've worn metallics too." No. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, if you've for anyone who's ever worn a metallic fabric. It, in order to make it reflective, it has to be very unbreathable. Mm, so she really was stuck to it. So I believe that she And it was full... Full body. It was a full, full body, shirt, full pants. Gold I it was shirt, a pants, pants and jacket. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. So I believe that she probably had to be really shimmied out of the jacket <laughs> at the end of the night. Anyway, so that was really fun. It was a good um, good thing. The, the place that we ate, yes. I think, was a little too fancy for its own good, actually. I, I would have rather just had like a classic banh mi from like a. So there's there's better banh mi for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was good. I thought it was wildly overpriced. Wildly, wildly. Um, you don't get like a banh mi with like a side of like spinach for like twenty dollars. Twenty dollars, yeah. That was a sign of the neighborhood. That was like a. There's nothing around it. Williamsburg pricing. Yeah, it was stupid. So, um. I did like the vibe in the place, and I did oh, like did, the yeah. there was a live musician playing the whole time. Oh my god, he was a gem. He was great. So you know, he does make his own instruments. That guy. So it's a it's a man with a guitar like apparatus that has no strings. So it's like a key. It's not even a keytar. It's like um. It's like a, a a beat. What are those What are those beat boxes that like DJs use, where like little pads. That you like yeah, hit. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's like, like taking that. that pad kind of thing and then making it into a guitar a type situation. Item. But the, with the, more the buttons neck of too. the guitar, quote unquote, ha- was like a touch, a responsive keyboard. It was a responsive, yeah, it was a responsive touchpad, um, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, I really wanted to get a closer look. But anyway, I got his, I got his information, so we can look him up. But he's there every Thursday. Apparently. He's there every Thursday. He was also like. 
when he stepped away for the instrument, really just an unassuming kind of dad looking dude. Well, yeah, because he was on that balcony, I had a whole picture in my mind. I know, of what and he, he came like. down, and I was like, oh. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was far off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was really nice. The whole the, the whole night was nice. Um, and the venue had pretty good bathrooms. Which you know, I didn't use them. And I think that's a huge sign of my, success yeah. for a venue. Yeah. Plenty of urinals. Mm-hmm. All separated by a privacy divider. It's not like a trough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 